Hello and welcome to We Random, episode 65. We are recording Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. We're going to talk about some random stuff. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to laugh and maybe swear every now and then because B has a potty mouth. But before we get into that, B, why did the onion get so flustered? Probably because it needed to be unpacked. Ah, uh, because it saw the salad dressing. Oh! We'll be right back after this. Almost Qualified Productions. Let's get crazy! Experts don't have this much fun. Welcome to We Random, episode 65. I'm Landmark. Out there is Skonzi. How you doing tonight, Skonzi? Say hello to all of these wonderful people. Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. How you doing tonight, B? I'm here. I'm here. You know, I'm doing what I can. It's been a long day. As you said, it's like the most Monday of Tuesdays in the world, but for sure, you know, I am doing what I can, and we're going to try to get mad online. So we've got a wonderful Wheel of Doom that is going to allow us to have multiple chances to get angry online about lots of different things. And if we're lucky enough, there might just be some swear words. But before we get there, other than Mr. Rhythm, do you have any words <laughs> of wisdom or artifacts of hope for our people? No, I got nothing. All right. Well, I guess we should move on to the true point of this podcast where yes. we're going to spin that wheel of doom and we're going to talk about a topic. Something probably horrible. You know, Wiggs, I was going to go with that quote, too. Uh, by the way, Z-Dubs did just let us know that uh, we shouldn't swear too much or, or Nick will get a hold of us and get mad. All right. We're going to talk, though, about something that everybody can agree on as being a great thing. The horrible Chicago Bears. Sorry, Jeff, if you're listening out there. We're going to talk about the Bears. So I saw this article, and at first I was like, this is interesting. So since George McCaskey took over as the chairman of the Bears in 2011, the three most important people in the franchise, the general manager, the head coach, and the quarterback, have seldom aligned. Bad decisions compounded on bad decisions. Nobody gets a clean slate. Nobody gets to build their own program, said former Bear Patrick Manley, the longest tenured player in Bears franchise history, a long snapper, by the way. It feels like everybody has kind of had one handcuff on whenever they got hired. It's a circle of inheriting the previous regime's trash. So what happened is there is an article through The Athletic where they talked to more than a dozen sources close to the team about the moments over the past decade when the organization didn't seem to know what it wanted to be or where it was going. And most of these awful, terrible, no good moments come down to mismanagement by upper management. So I thought that this was interesting considering that the budget magician, Matt Nagy, just got fired because of course he did. And, um, you know, like... This, as I read this article, the first thing that I thought about was it makes me really glad that the Packers don't have like a true 
right? Because we see this throughout all of sports, whether it's football or baseball or basketball or even like indoor soccer, where like the owner dictates so much of the team culture and like who's on the team, who's not on the team, how the team is doing, what's going on. And it's like, in some cases it could be good, but in most cases it's bad. Yeah, it, it's just one more cook in the kitchen, right? Like, like that's uh-huh. that's the thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I first of all, as a Packers fan who is very much not a Bears fan, of course I enjoy the Bears being horrible. Uh, let's be honest. It's, you know, a free couple wins every year. But, but I think that the way that I would look at this is it really speaks in a lot of ways to the benefits of having a very good quarterback, right? Because not only does, not only is this a quarterback league, but it also buys you some time, right? It buys you a little bit of time because, the, you know, that person can at least make you manageable, make you, you know, a 500 team or something, something that's going to maybe give you a little bit of longevity so that somebody can start to put their spin on things. Because the fact of the matter is, Everybody that comes into one of those high roles, they want it to be their team, right? They want to put their stamp on things. And they're being they're being brought in. And this article is pretty interesting because they talked about, you know, such I don't remember the specifics, but this person is hired, but you have to run that old person's defense. And there's one there's one part where they're talking about the fact that was it Lance Briggs? I don't know if I got that name right. Um, there is some someone was brought in. They were told that they had to run the previous regime's defense. None of the coaches knew how to coach this defense. So literally a player was staying after practice to work with the younger players to teach them how to do the defense because the coaches didn't know how. Like, you are never, ever going to succeed doing that. It's just asinine. And these are the things that that bad franchises do. They, They just do stupid things. And, you know... I can't say I want the Bears to be successful, but it's it 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 sucks as as I know people who are Bears fans and, and God, it's horrible to to just see them continue to spin this way. Like you just need to make a clean break, start fresh, know that you're gonna suck for a couple of years, but just try to get things moving in that right direction. And and the more that they kind of hold on to something without moving forward, the more they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, and, you know, you see this around the league, right? Like Chicago, Minnesota, the New York Giants. Like, there are these franchises that just have these owners who, like, they keep just running people through, and it's like, it's not working. Like, you have talented players, but whatever you're doing isn't working. And, like, that's one of the things that I'm thankful for. That, Like, yes, obviously, like you said, the Packers have been lucky to have the consistency that they've had at quarterback, but you even look at... You know, like Atlanta, like people were high on Matt Ryan forever mm-hmm. and like they still kind of sucked for a long time. Yeah, they've and had like, some good, but nothing like, not same thing with like, look, so look at the Lions with Matthew Stafford, right? Yeah. Like they had Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders. Two of those three people retired early because the organization was so inept. And, and they're both <laughs> Hall of Famers. Like, they're both Hall of Famers. Right? Like, if you have two Hall of Famers who retire because your organization is so inept, that is a problem. Yeah, that's a, that's a serious problem. And, uh, like, the Lions is, is a good example of how my theory isn't 100% true. Um, but, yeah, it's just, 
the the i mean i was another article that i stumbled onto and it's not part of what we've got here but um there's an article i was reading about the minnesota vikings and how they are looking for a new gm and they're actually interviewing um, a woman for the job which is pretty exciting first woman to ever interview for that type of a role and then there's a lot of conversation of the fact that they might try to dump uh kirk cousins and you know they're talking about her connection because she she worked with the eagles and the eagles are probably looking to move on from you know, the second worst quarterback in the NFL next to Justin Fields. And um, again, it's the same kind of thing, right? Like she, whoever it is, whether it's her or somebody else, whoever it is, is is inheriting this albatross that is Kirk Cousins, who's, he's not horrible. Like he's not, he's not one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, maybe on the bottom half of the top 10, but he's making a crap ton of money and they probably don't want that guy going forward. So, so what do you do? Do you just deal with it or do you try to get rid of him and kind of start fresh? Like, hey, guess what? Next year we might not be great, although they, maybe they can get a better quarterback. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be available. But maybe you just have to cut ties, move on, and, and, and build it back up. And I don't know. It, it, the yeah. Bears just are not doing that. And I think as long as they continue to be you know, handcuffed to the previous regime, they're never going to get there. Yeah, and they, that's the unfortunate part about sports. It's like so many organizations are like this, where it's like their people are just tied to the previous regime's just utter garbage. So we'll see. But I, I just put this on here because, like I said, it made me feel thankful that we don't have an owner who meddles in things, and then you yeah. end up with a goalkeeper who can't stay in his fucking goal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that we don't have that extra cook in the kitchen is is a is a big thing. I mean. You know, they're kind of are to some, I mean, like you could say Mark Murphy kind of plays that role to some degree, but but he's also not the guy holding the purse strings, right? Because whenever you have, have that person holding the purse strings, all of a sudden their opinion holds a whole lot more weight. And, and that's just one more person to muck stuff up. I'm just giggling to myself over here because I totally just dropped that little Easter egg in for like one person who listens to this podcast who is totally <laughs> going to like cackle when she hears that. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on to the next topic. Before I spin, Emily had a question, so let's dive into this. I have a stupid question. What does a general manager do for a team? I understand the owner, the QB, and the coach. No need to address on the podcast. Well, I'm going to address it anyway, Emily, because I yeah, didn't get to address, that last part. We can address that. that real quick. That'll uh, be easy. Basically, the general manager is, in in the words of, uh, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? That coach from the Giants 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells. Uh, the the, the, the uh, general manager is who shops for the groceries, basically. Yeah. They're the ones who do, you know, they kind of lead the scout team. They generally lead the draft and pick the players and sign free agents, that type of stuff. So they're the ones that kind of build the team up. Now, there should be some kind of conversations happening with, with the coaches and all of that. But in the end, yeah. the general manager is the one that's that's making those decisions. Yeah, and that's kind of that role is transitioning somewhat in the league where previously it was like whatever the general manager said goes, but now there are coaches who come in and they have say over final player personnel decisions versus the general manager having those decisions. And then some GMs like Jerry Jones, or not GMs, but some owners like Jerry Jones, <laughs> that he's like, <laughs> I have final decisions. Right, right. You get so. on multiple levels of that. But yeah, anyway, the Bill Park. Parcells right. quote, he was a, a Hall of Fame coach. I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. Well, yeah. Or a Super Bowl winning coach, at least. And he had made the comment when he wanted control as kind of the GM is, hey, if I if I need to cook dinner, I need to be able to buy the groceries. Something along those lines. Yeah. All right, we're spinning the wheel. 
We're going to get something exciting here. That was actually a pretty positive topic. I mean, as positive as the Bears can be. But now we're going to talk about tennis and this name that I'm not even going to try to butcher. Oh, you don't want to talk about Novak Djokovic? Yeah, that guy. I was. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. I would have been 100% correct. Novak Djokovic has left Australia after judges upheld the Australian government's cancellation of his visa and his deportation. The court ruling capped a two-week drama over Novak's decision to not be vaccinated against coronavirus. Three judges upheld the visa cancellation on public interest grounds, meaning that Novak cannot defend his Australian Open title, a tournament which he has won nine times. Nine so, times. Nine times. So the backstory to this is that the Australian government has taken very strong stances on COVID, and a lot of their policies and procedures are very strict, even more strict than America when it comes to what those individuals who are vaccinated or not vaccinated can or cannot do. So one of their things is like, basically, if you are not vaccinated, you cannot come here. So <laughs> please go away. So, and I don't know that that's a hundred percent the reality of the situation. Like I tried looking on their like transportation website and they have like nine pages, like here's what you need to do. And here's what you need to apply for. And here's what it means. And here's what you need to provide us. And here, so like I, I wasn't doing all that, but Basically, because he is not vaccinated, they canceled his visa and said, nope, you are a risk to our public safety, so we are not allowing you to be here. Yeah, it's, you know, I know that Australia is super strict. I kind of followed along with um, with a woman who's a streamer who works in America. She's an Australian resident, so this is somebody, or an Australian citizen. Um, she's living in the U.S. on a visa because she works here, and uh, she flew home to see her family. And when she got there, they stuck her in a hotel for quarantine for like two or two and a half weeks. She, she had to stay in this hotel. She's vaccinated. She's completely vaccinated. She's a citizen of the country. She still had to wait in this hotel for like two, two and a half weeks. And, and I'm sure was losing her mind in the process. So they, I know that they are super, super serious about it. Like, you know, people have different opinions. Are they being too serious? Are they taking it too, too seriously? But... I mean, we're also living in a country where, you know, half the population thinks it's nothing but a cold and they run around spitting on people or whatever. So, uh, like, we have we have definitely a different approach to things. Um, I don't know. A part of me says the guy's a tennis player. He's going to go out into the court and he's not going to be within 50 feet of anybody. Does it really matter? Another part of me says, well, he's still going to be around people in the locker rooms or walk in the halls or the media or whatever. Another part of me says... Why are we going to make an exception for this person? Because he happens to be famous and he's playing tennis. Like, there's a lot of back and forth and nobody's ever, like, everybody is not going to agree on on the approach. Um, I, I I don't know that I care one way or another. I, I, I don't, I have no, you know, stake in this game. But uh, uh, it, I think it's interesting. You know, it's interesting yeah, I, that somebody like that didn't get a pass. Right. Well, I thought that's interesting just from a financial perspective, because, again, like if you look at America, people bend over backwards to make a dollar here. Right. Yeah. Like over there, this nine time champion, they're saying, no, we're not going to allow you to compete in your sport because you are breaking one of our rules. Right. And whether right. you agree with the rule or don't agree with the rule, I think that that's interesting. But they put their like political and national policy above making a dollar on this tennis tournament yeah yeah and 
you know, one thing that I saw that was interesting, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't have the tweet in front of me, but there was somebody that was like, look, tennis tournaments because we have a society. And in, in a society, we have rules and regulations that are used to keep each other safe. Novak has made decisions that go against, you know, being collegial and keeping people safe. So therefore, too bad. I was like, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I, I, to Wiggum's point, Wiggum says, I love that he doesn't get treated differently from anyone else. I, I think it's fair. If I, if I went to Australia and I wasn't vaccinated, you know, I would expect that they would treat me the same way. So yeah. I think that's fair. All right, I did, I did just take a video of Max Hedrum over here. Nice. Uh, with, with Brian's permission, I'll post that on the Discord server. Um, yeah. I might need to get a better one. Though. Oh, now it's super amazing. I'm, I gotta keep an eye on it. I'll get a better one. <laughs> that one wasn't as great. All right, the wheel has spun, and we are going to talk about uh, Brian's favorite place to go shopping, the Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree. I don't even know the last time I've been at the Dollar Tree. But <laughs> Dollar Tree's recent decision to end $1 prices after 35 years and raise most items in stores to $1.25 has elicited an angry response from many loyal customers online. The criticism highlights the risks that Dollar Tree, the last of the big dollar store chains to actually sell nearly everything for a dollar, took when it abandoned its $1 brand identity. So one of the interesting parts about this is that there are signs that the move may be alienating some shoppers. An online survey of around 500 consumers by Course site research found a 6.2% drop in the number of customers who said that they had bought non-food items at Dollar Tree compared to the prior two weeks. A steeper decline of 12.2% was recorded among shoppers ages 45 to 60. Other chains such as Walmart and Dollar General did not see similar drops in their surveys. So for context here, Dollar Tree added the $1.25 prices to more than two 2,000 stores in December, and it has a total of around 8,700 in U.S. stores. So the um, thing here is that Dollar Tree says, hey, we've had a very positive response from the majority of our customers, and they're kind of playing this out, saying that, you know, this caused us to not be able to carry products that people wanted if we kept things at a dollar and labor and transportation and fuel and merchandise and shipping costs have all been surging which is squeezing our profits and that's why we got to go to a dollar and 25 cents despite the fact that as recently as august the dollar tree chief executive said the company was committed to one dollar so are we uh, is this our I don't know which drop to use on this one. Is this the ZE? Is this... Um, Can I just do this one I since know. I just added it to the podcast sounds? Oh, is this new? I mean, it's not new. I just didn't have it <laughs> with these sounds. Um, well, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, I, I need to have like a list of all of our sounds so I can just cue you to be like, play this one. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like this is a Zeke Elliott feed me of the week probably. But... Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Do we want to sit on it? Do we want to save it? Yeah, save there's one I have in mind. There's one I have in okay. mind. Um, cool. I mean, so so my initial thought is it's a fucking quarter, man. Like like it's a quarter. It, it's 
just we're talking about a quarter man it's a it's a quarter all right it's a we're talking about a quarter trying to do my practice thing anyway um yeah i mean i i think i think probably part like the 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 one the one stat that they showed that it had a six percent drop it was a week right Right. like a week a week isn't much i mean i i wouldn't freak out too much about that it also was the week after christmas like who's out shopping the dollar tree the week after christmas so that probably has more to do with than the dollar 25 but um, I mean, it's interesting though, right? Like, I feel like if we're looking at Dollar Tree, the individuals who generally shop there are probably more cash strapped than sure, those I... individuals who are not shopping there. So that's why I thought this was interesting because that, like, if we're talking about percentage of hikes, that's a pretty bold percentage, even if it is just like a quarter, right? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I I, I get the feeling that. Like they did mention in this article at one point, there's certain customer favorites that they had to stop selling or something. So, okay, I kind of get that. I don't know. My uh, uh, pessimistic point of view on this is that Dollar Tree is seeing all these other companies making record profits because they can write it off as inflation or you know supply chain limitations, which is all a bunch of bunk to begin with. And they're like, we want to get ours. That's that's mm-hmm. what I would write this off to be personally. That's fair. I mean, and again, this is this kind of falls into the narrative of stuff we've talked about week after week after week is I'm going to get mine. So yeah, doesn't matter what, what happens to you. Also, the CDC says, get your ass back to work. Uh, so that's uh, also what this is, you know. I think we can bring a good point. I had the same thought too is – this is a this is a company that has never really raised their price. Like at one point they started to add certain things that were marked up a little bit. Um, yeah. But otherwise they really haven't raised their price. So that's fair. Yeah. All right, we're spinning. Oh, I thought I was gonna play play Zeke, but instead, this is a good story. We're gonna talk about baseball. And uh, gender diversity in said baseball. All right. So baseball, while currently locking out its players because billionaires are telling millionaires how poor they are, (laughs) has arrived at a landmark moment this week when the New York Yankees introduced Rachel Belkovic as the manager of the Tampa Bay Tarpoons, not how I initially read it, their low-A affiliate, Alkovec, who at one point in her career started listing her first name in job applications as Ray because she'd stopped receiving callbacks despite an impressive credential and resume, became the first woman ever appointed as manager of a minor league team. As well, the Red Sox have now hired Katie Krall as a minor league coach, making the Red Sox the first organization with two women on a coaching staff. In 2022, there will be 11 women coaching in affiliated baseball, eight that have been hired since the start of 2021. So I thought this was interesting because we've talked a little bit about, you know, trying to find different diversity in sports, whether that's gender diversity or racial diversity or different types of things, right? So I think it's kind of an interesting trend that baseball, even if at the lower levels, is hiring more women into the sport. You know, B, I swear we do the same story every other fucking week. And it's pretty fucking awesome. I got to say, like, 
NBA is doing stuff, kind of. I mean, they shafted Becky Harmon, but, you know, it Major really League Baseball is doing stuff. We just talked about um, a woman interviewing for a general manager role in the in the NFL. Like, yeah, there was the a story main... we didn't get to last week about, I think it was referees in a, in a soccer the league referees. or something. So it's yeah, like... there was a pro woman in the men's Australian baseball league. Yeah, so we're starting to see more and more of these stories, and I think it's fantastic. We need more of this. I mean, the fact that this article talks about the fact that she changed her name, how she displayed her name to try to get more callbacks. And, and I mean, it's disgusting that, that people are, are doing that, but it happens. It's, it's, it's part of the world today, unfortunately. But the yep. fact that we see these individuals breaking through, I think, is amazing. It's definitely a good yeah. story. Definitely. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that, transcends as teams do well or don't do well right yep. because hopefully these individuals can kind of move up through the ranks and maybe get to you know double a clubs and triple a clubs and even to the major leagues at some point i know the one um the first woman who was on the red sox staff she's made it she said i want to be a manager so that's my goal good that's good pretty for cool. her yeah all right let's talk about democrat followers what are, what are what are democrat followers this was this was one that b sent to me i think it was yesterday and yeah. just said hey i'd like to hear what you have to say about this and i said True. let's put it on the podcast yeah, so i will defer to you after i read about it so democratic strategist paul bergala speculated recently that the reason the party has come up short in passing voting rights is because it has, quote, bad followers. Now, the context to this is that Bergala was reacting to a comment from Andrea Walters King, or Waters King, who is the wife of who is the wife of Martin Luther King Jr.'s son. So obviously, like, you know, lots of connecting the dots. But basically, what the King family has recently said is that they'd like to see Joe Biden and Democrats put the same power and passion behind voting rights that was put behind the infrastructure bills that were able to be passed. So the response, when asked for a response, Bergala said, those of us who want to save voting rights, we need to get to work. I think Biden is putting everything behind this, but he needs better followers. He needs all of us to get in the game as well. So in saying this, Bergala referenced how MLK advocated for mobilizing people in churches, universities, labor unions, and other organizations when trying to get Lyndon Johnson to pass a voting rights bill in the 1960s after the passing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So before I go and give my pessimistic view here, I am going to let you roll with this. And then depending <laughs> on what you say, I may or may not keep my pessimistic comments to myself. I just want to say that I used to be kind of a fan of, of Paul Pagala, but mainly because he was on this show called Crossfire, I think it was. Um, and he always sat across from Tucker Carlson, who, you know, is a dick. Um, anyway, I, I think, so I think the important thing to think about is uh, Joe Biden, and, and this, this might be a shock to some people, so I want you to, you know, hold on to your chairs, get ready. He's the fucking president, man. Like, he's the fucking president. And let's be honest, when this whole infrastructure thing happened, that's all that I read about. 
you know, is, is fucking Biden is pushing here and pushing there and talking to this person. He's having secret meetings. He's, you know, fucking meeting with Manchin every other day. And like, he's doing all this stuff to push it through. There was no fucking march in the streets of New York City for the goddamn infrastructure plan. No one, no one, like, is it good stuff? Sure. But, but like, there's no huge national push behind it. So why the hell would you compare that with, with voting rights, which frankly is a whole hell of a lot more important. Like, this is just a stupid cop-out as far as I'm concerned. Like, Joe Biden isn't pushing the same way that he was for that bill. So let's start there. Now, I do think that the, the, the reference that he has, I don't know if it's accurate. I don't know if I like it. It kind of irritates me a little bit. But yes, if there was a huge social uprising, whether they're Democrats or whomever, if there was that huge social uprising, like what we saw in, in the civil rights era, then sure, that, that might make things easier, right? It might, it might empower him to, to, to speak more, but he's still the fucking president. Like, well, and I, are you done or I didn't want to cut you no, off. No, go, there. do your thing. <laughs> so I thought that this was interesting, right? Because the comment that he made about the civil rights era, one of the things that he like was quoting somebody who like talked to Lyndon Johnson or something. And like Johnson had told MLK, oh, like I used all of my political power to get this thing passed. So now I don't have the political power. And I think that's what he's trying to say about Biden. But look, one of the things that's kind of funny in this statement advocated for mobilizing people in churches, universities, labor unions, other organizations. Now, if we think about those organizations today, churches, generally aligned with the right, labor unions, destroyed <laughs> by the right, you know, like universities, destroyed by the right. This is not intentional, right? Like, there have been very specific things to tear these institutions down, to tear their power down so people aren't able to rise up, right? Like, the thing that I notice about this, and I think you are correct, that, you know, could Joe Biden be doing more? Yes. Is he not doing more in a strategic manner? Probably. But that's, and, you know, it, it just, this just frustrated me. Like, as I read it, it really frustrated me because there are strategic things that have been done to cut the power out of these organizations over the years. Well, yeah. And I mean, even if you just want to take it to its most basic level, like this is his own political future that he needs to fight for, right? Because the, the, a lot of the people who are having their rights stripped from them, they're people that most likely would vote for him. Uh, and I like Gamer's comment that uh, Lyndon Johnson still had the political power to wage a highly unpopular war in Vietnam. <laughs> that's that's a point. Well, and I think that's the thing. That. That's the thing though, right? Is they'll choose what they want to fight for and what they don't. And I think that the fact that he isn't fighting that hard for this, at least nowhere near what we saw with the infrastructure bill, I think that speaks volumes personally. Yep. So this, this whole thing is just incredibly frustrating. And like, like you said, would it be great to have an uprising and to have a, and there was like some weird comment that was like a 10 second clip that I saw on Twitter that I was like, I need more context here. Cause Joe Biden is kind of going off on a weird Joe Biden -y tangent where he said something like, the murder of George Floyd had a bigger impact than MLK's assassination. And I'm like, I really need to see the context of this comment because just like the comment on its own really like seems a little strange to me. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, 
I have no context on that either. Um, and, and Wiggs, you bring up a good point. At 107 years old, you may not have much of a political future anyway. I'm spinning <laughs> the wheel. <laughs> you need to start going to church. That way you can, you know, uh, he, needs, he needs to put in brownie points so it goes to the right place. Zeke Elliott, feed me of the week. Uh-oh. Speaking of feeding, let's talk about King Scoopers. I don't, I don't think the C is supposed to be there, but we're going to call it King, King Scoopers. Scoopers. <laughs> All right, well, more than 8,000 workers of Kroger's Colorado-based King Supers, apparently it's Supers, not Supers, Supers, went on strike. The union representing these workers, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, says that King Supers workers are underpaid, overworked, and inadequately protected. The So this is a quote from the union president. The companies were thriving, but our workers didn't thrive. Do you know what our workers got? COVID, attacked, beat up, spit on, slapped, and overworked. What about the company? They did great. They did absolutely great, sitting behind their desk, doing their job by Zoom. Does that sound familiar, anybody? Anyway, so with COVID... COVID has increased Kroger's bottom line. In 2020, Kroger recorded $4.1 billion in profits, an increase of $1.1 billion from 2019. Due to sustained food-at-home trends, Kroger is now projecting its profits for 2021 will be even higher. So, in contrast... Kroger has said that they offered workers a fair deal, which raised starting pay to $16 an hour, and they bolstered some health benefits. The total package, the company claims, represented an investment of $170 million over the next three years. Now, the union, in rejecting this offer, noted that the minimum wage of $16 per hour is just 13 cents, more than the minimum wage in Denver, where 14 of the 87 stores at issue are located. Also, over the last decade, while Kroger's profits are up 102% and the pay of the CEO went up to 150%, The inflation-adjusted pay of Kroger workers in Colorado and other regions went down. Didn't go up. Went down. So, Sconzi, you have mentioned the uh, Zeke Elliott Feed Me of the Week here. You press the button. So please, (laughs) tag in here and tell us your thoughts on this story. Well, you know, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, too. It's just kind of the same thing. We've got uh, tons of companies are making you know, record profits during a time when they're jacking up the prices on things and they're, you know, they're blaming it on supply chain and limited uh, resources, et cetera, et cetera. Yet somehow they're still making a shit ton of money. Um, so something there doesn't quite add up to me. Uh, I, I, I don't like the one stat that they've got here that they, they, they uh, declined this, they rejected the offer because 14 of the 87 stores um, wouldn't see a huge raise. And I mean, I don't know what that percentage is, but it's not a very large percentage. So it seems like there's a whole lot of other people who are kind of losing out. Now, that's not to say that, you know, the other 73 stores don't have a minimum wage of $15. And so they don't see a dollar raise. I don't know. I don't know how that, what those numbers are, but that stat just didn't seem to, you know, really, really latch onto me. But 
again, this is kind of the same old thing. We, we keep seeing this over and over again. Corporations are incredibly greedy. They want more and more money, even though they're making tons more money instead of rewarding their employees um, with better pay, better benefits, whatever the case may be. They're instead just sticking in their coffers or giving it to their shareholders. Um, and I, for one, am very excited to see that there's, there's companies that are, or, or employees who are standing up to this, whether it's unions that are fighting, you know, Starbucks just had their first Starbucks that unionized over, I think it was on the East Coast somewhere, um, a couple weeks back. And I like, these are, these are workers who are trying to take their future in their own hands. And I think that's a very, very important thing. This ties into the great resignation we've talked about a couple different times. So I think we're starting to see people who are understanding what their worth is and they're starting to fight back. And, and I think that's a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like the strike is still going on and there's lots of, you know, they're like, no progress is being made. So I'm hopeful that something good comes out of this and it's not just another one of those like lukewarm, well, we kind of got something instead of nothing situations. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. And Gamer, I think your, your point there that you know, despite rising wages with inflation, it basically eliminates it. It's true with, with the rate that inflation is going up right now. If you don't get a very significant raise, right. it, you're, you're getting a pay cut, right? It's just kind of, kind of, uh, almost as a slap in the face at one point. So, yeah. And you know, that that's probably a topic that is far beyond our capability, but it would be really interesting to be able to dive more into inflation and like, what is this and why is it happening? And what are the metrics behind it? Because that is such a frustrating part of life right now. Like looking at, you know, the prices for heating your house. Like, it's like, holy cripes, man. Like, yeah. Well, Ooh. according to our chat here, we just need to get Gamer on the podcast because he can talk about all this shit. So for those who aren't in the chat live, who might uh, listen or watch us later, well, watching, you could probably still see this, but uh, Gamer said record profits tied with inflation actually makes a lot of economic sense. People have more money to spend, so they buy more stuff, so companies do well, but it results in shortages driving up prices. I can kind of see that to some degree, um, but I don't know that people necessarily have more money because wages in a lot of ways are flat or they're not driving up past inflation. So I, I don't know that I have questions on that, but I uh, also said, I've seen some data that says the key problem with inflation is due to the fact that tourism is way down. People are spending that money on goods, causing shortages of physical goods due to COVID. I could kind of see that to some degree. Okay. Interesting. So, all right. I'm spinning the wheel. It's the gamer show tonight, everybody. You know what I spent that money on? Beer. Beer. Uh, speaking of something that has absolutely nothing to beer, let's talk about the... The Wee Random Dick, Dick, Dick. of the Week. Uh-oh, who are we talking about? We're going to Michigan, and we're going to talk about lawn care. Oh, we're not talking about... Oh, the other guy I thought was going to be the Dick of the Week. No, but... no, this is so this is so much worse. All right. So, a Michigan judge berated a 72-year-old man who told the judge he'd failed to maintain his yard because his cancer treatments made him weak. In a video of the exchange, Burhan Chowdhury of Ham... Well, I don't even know how to pronounce that. <laughs> anyway, there's a town near Detroit, 
and this man explained his situation to the district judge, Alexis Crott. And she said to him, you should be ashamed of yourself. If I could give you jail time on this, I would. She then issued him a $100 fine, adding, you've got to get your stuff cleaned up. It's totally inappropriate. Now, the man's son who joined the father on Zoom for the court hearing, said that the father was sick and that the property has already been cleaned up. So, to TLDR the story for everybody, this man was sick, and he said that he let his lawn care in his alley go because he was sick and he couldn't do it. So, apparently, that meant that he got sent to court. And this lady said that she wanted to put him in jail because he couldn't clean up his lawn. Now, to me... This seems like a horrendous misuse of resources, because where I live in the town redacted, they will look at your information, they will send you a letter, and they're going to say, hey, see that you got some weeds. We need you to clean that up. You got 30 days. You don't clean that up in 30 days, we're going to clean it up for you. And then we're going to send you a bill. And then you're going to pay us that bill. That's how this is going to work. Instead, apparently, they send this man to court, and they tell him that they should send him to jail? This, this, is, this is the inefficient stuff that's happening in our country right now. What you got on this, Gonzi? The wee random dick, dick of the week. I mean, I, I can play this one, too. They fucking suck. I mean, I got, I got plenty of these. It's, um... <sighs> So what it's, about it's the worth guy who's it, like the saddest thing on the internet before. <laughs> this one right here. That was one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen anybody post on the internet before. I I can play the second one too. People like you make me sad. All right. Um, <laughs> busting out all the sounds tonight. So, so it's worth also calling out, and, and I, was, I was in my own head, so I don't know that you mentioned this. Maybe you did. But um, so basically this man, he's, he's going through cancer treatment, right? So he can't really do that himself. And um, his son has been helping him keep his, his lawn in order. His son was out of the country for three fucking months. So his lawn overgrew, and when he came back, dad's like, hey, I got a ticket, and the judge is yelling at me and calling me a pain in the ass. Uh, and, and Emily went right where I am. Like the, the, all this money that they spent bringing these people in on trial and having the judge there, etc. It's a waste of goddamn money. And what the fuck ever happened to empathy? Right? Like what? The, what? Why can't somebody just reach out and say, "Look, what's going on?" Like you can't tell me this guy's neighbors didn't know that he's an old man who's having issues. Like somebody can't just step up and, and help the dude out. I mean, it's, it's, it's irritating and drives me freaking mad that we live in a country where people can't help one another out. And it's always, we just need to attack. Like, this is stupid. And then the fact this judge decided to run her goddamn mouth like she's a fucking schoolyard bully or something. Like, give me a fucking break. I mean, if, if anything positive, the, uh, his son said that he paid the fine, which he already did. And he said he'd received a lot of support from other people online and in their community. So hopefully... You know, this will raise a little bit of awareness and, and, and maybe this will, you know, bring some small little bit of good, right? Maybe some people in the community will kind of band together and, and maybe help out and maybe something good will come with us. That's, that's all that I can really hope for. Yeah, this is just, it was ridiculous when I read it. I'm like, dude, like there are so many more efficient ways to handle this. Yeah, no, it's just absolutely stupid. Like, 
it's just stupid as fuck yeah. all right b we're at uh we're at 43 minutes do we want to spin one do you let's let's not spin do you have one that you want to throw your challenge flag at not in particular no i mean there's like so there's there's a couple like if one doesn't come up i might touch on it in my extra point if the like the other ones are all just kind of like meh to me so all right well, we're gonna we're thoughts? gonna we're gonna skip it and we are going to then move on to gamers favorite segment random rankings now now all gamer right. now gamer can tell us how we're wrong about football yeah so Old Man Wiggum asks that we recap our preseason predictions where we predicted the Packers record. So what we learned in this exercise is we should really keep our day jobs because if we put money on this, it didn't go well. But By the way, I disagree with that take for the record. I, I mean, vehemently you know. disagree. Okay, tell me why you disagree. We both said the Packers would finish 12-5. and five. They were 13-4. and four. We were one game off. I suppose like we technically lot we got seven games wrong which I guess I feel like in in a, in the end that would just like even out our money to like nothing <laughs> probably yeah I, right? I guess I don't put a lot of weight on that just because okay. you never know what the hell's gonna happen right it, like the season yeah. is so completely random so I don't know that yeah. I put a ton of weight like we both had them beating New Orleans New Orleans turned out to be kind of garbage ish and yeah. clearly that was that was an anomaly right so, yeah. so I'm not going to like throw us under the bus because we we picked that game yeah. wrong. You know what I mean? And we both had them losing to San Francisco, which is kind of an interesting <laughs> that is foreshadowing interesting. for yeah. later, right? But so we both picked twelve and five. They ended up going thirteen and four. Wiggum actually chose thirteen and four. Wiggum so did have thirteen and four. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, the uh, tiebreaker. Neither of us were terribly like close, really. Like, yeah, I mean, you I... were close on yards. You went over by a little bit. I was closer on touchdowns. You were closer on interceptions. So Wiggum wasn't closer on anything. No. So so Wiggs won the uh, record for the season. Record for the season. And we kind of mixed on the Rogers thing. I don't know. I'd and, give myself the edge, yeah. but you know, I'm biased. So yeah, <laughs> I, you know, overall, I think we did pretty decent, though. Like. Like the yeah. numbers we had here, Wiggs, Wiggs yardage was way high, but otherwise we were, I guess touchdowns a little high, but we were in the same, uh, yeah. we were all right around in the same vicinity. Yeah. So, you know, we had that now. We also did the wild card weekend. So on the wild card weekend, we had some scoins left over from the Skonsiverse and yes. we can recap how that went for each of us. I will start with myself. So... I started with 100 scoins, and in the end, I ended with 100 scoins. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> I even. made back my scoins, right? <laughs> because I lost my over bet on Raiders Bengals. I lost my spread bet on the Patriots. I won my Bucks bet at negative eight and a half, but lost on the over. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I won both of my bets on the 49ers because Dak Prescott doesn't know how to slide and can't <laughs> hand the ball to an official. Um, I lost on the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger has officially turned into a pumpkin, but we got the over. And then the Rams 
brought it home for a hundred. But Sconzi is the true uh, star of this show. I, I did have a good week. Yeah. Only got one of his picks wrong. He spent twenty dollars on the over. Scoins. Twenty scoins, not dollars. Scoins. Yep. Scoins. Yep. Twenty <laughs> scoins. I mean, he might have spent dollars. We just don't know about it. That's fair. But so in the end, he's ended up with one hundred and sixty scoins. Now, what we're gonna do, because we are scoin gambling degenerates, is we are going to spend the balance of scoins that we have on each of these divisional round games, and then if we still have scoins left over. We'll do the same for the next round. And then if we're out of scoins, then we'll just be sad. So, yeah, Wiggs how did, did that Wiggs did say he was putting everything on the under, I think it was, for, for the Rams and the Cardinals. I don't know if it was the over or the under hit on that, to be honest with you. Uh, well, let's see. We should be able to figure that out, but that's not in this sheet. We'd have it's to go look the at the other sheet. Uh, I have that pulled up, actually, right here. Uh, 64, yeah. So this was – oh, it's not in here. Oh, there, it's down here. Yeah, it's down there. Uh, Rams, Cardinals. The over/under was forty-nine and a half. I think they so, were over that, weren't they? It wouldn't. It wouldn't hit because it wasn't like thirty-four to eleven or something. Something like that. I don't, know, I I don't know what the final score was. You know, this is us doing prep live on air. Yeah, so I, I guess if almost it, qualified. If that's what you had, Wiggs, you win. Congratulations. So um, thirty-four to eleven. So all right, B. So what do you 45. got? Walk us through what you got this week and why you've got this. All right, do we want to go game by game, or do we want to do me and then do yours? Yeah, just do you, and then I'll do mine. All right, so for Bengals, Titans, the Titans are three-and-a-half-point favorites with an over-under of 47. So I am going to start by putting 20 scoins on the Titans to cover the three-and-a-half. I may not want the points, but I'm good. Well, I might not, you know, I'm laying points, but... The Titans, in theory, are supposed to be getting back Derrick Henry, who is their top running back. And the Titans have looked pretty good over these last few weeks. I'm kind of fading the Bengals. I tried to fade them last week, but that didn't really work out for me too well, even though I think I picked them. No, I, I didn't pick that game because I was still fading the Bengals. <laughs> so I'm totally fading the Bengals here. I think the Titans cover. I did put the over because I think that this might be a little bit more of a higher scoring game. We'll see how that goes for me. I didn't do too well on my over-under picks the last uh, couple of times here. But who knows? Now, I'm going to skip 49ers and Packers because that's what everybody wants to talk about. And I am going to go to Rams and Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are three-point favorites with an over-under of 48.5. In this game, I am putting the under on this matchup. I think there are two good defenses here, so I don't know that you're going to hit this 48.5, but... After watching the Rams take Kyler Murray and turn him into Carson Wentz last night, I'm thinking that I might have to take the Rams in my points. Mm. So I'm going to go with 10 scoins on those Rams. Then for Bills and Chiefs, the Chiefs are two and a half point favorites with an over under of 54.5, not 55, but just 54.5. So, I am going to take the over because I want points. Points, 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 points. So Tony Romo is going to have fun with all the points that are scored in this game by the <laughs> Chiefs, who I'm putting 10 scoins on. So I've got 10 scoins on the Chiefs, 10 scoins on the over. Now, I'm going to get to everyone's favorite game. The Green Bay Packers, who when I put this run sheet together, they were four and a half point favorites. That is now negative six. So 
No matter which spread I choose, I have decided that I'm taking the over because the Packers defense hasn't stopped anyone in eight weeks. And <laughs> I'm going to put 20 scoins on the Packers, which was a very late change because initially when I had filled this in at Packers at four and a half, I had picked 49ers. But mm. what I'm hearing now is that old friend Jimmy Garoppolo not only has a torn tendon in his thumb, but he also has a shoulder strain or sprain. And do you know who else had a shoulder strain or sprain once, Gonzi? Who's that? Friend of the show, Jared Goff. <laughs> and that didn't really work out well for him. So I don't think it's going to work out well for Jimmy G either. So we're going to hope that the Packers can get their stuff together and that they can move on to the NFC championship game. All right. Well, um, my picks are very different. Well, not, maybe not very different. They're different. Because I'm all in on a lot of underdogs this week. It, it's funny because there's quite a few teams here that I've been big on pretty much the whole year. And they've had ups and downs. But... Uh, I'm in on the Bengals, the Packers, the Rams, and the Buffalo Bills. And uh, frankly, I would take all three of them straight up. And then the Packers, I would take them straight up as well. I'm, I'm, I'm good on all of those. I put a big time scoings on the Packers. I also, really went, did. I also went with the over. I mean, I had 160 scoings. I mean, some of us were right. really good last week and we had to find a way to spend all our scoings. And, and of those four games, that's the one that I, that I feel most confident in, which is kind of scary. Um, but we don't have Mike McCarthy, so that's working in our favor. Um, I did take the under on the Bengals Titans just because I don't know. I don't I don't see the Titans scoring a ton of points, but I you know what? I fucking like Joe Burrow. So uh I'm 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 going with Joe Burrow and uh and Jamar Chase to to light that thing up, take home that win. Uh, you know, with the Rams and Buccaneers, I initially wrote down the Bucks, but that Rams defense is insane. And I've always been pretty big on Stafford. I know I get a lot of shit about it, but I, I, he makes some stupid mistakes, but he just needs to not make stupid mistakes. And uh, that defense can really carry them. That defense is insane. So I'm going with the Rams. And I just think Buffalo is, is next level at this point. I just, the chiefs bills game could be like a hundred to 102. It could be insane, but, uh, but I'm, but I'm in on uh, Josh Allen and the, and the bills. So most of my scorings went with the actual the actual pick versus the over-under because I suck at the over-under. So there we go. That's, That's what we got. That's what we got. Uh, so old man Wiggum is putting all scorings on the Packers, and he's also giving up 10.5 points. He's giving up 10.5 points. That's what he said. All his scorings on the Packers at 10.5. So, I all right. feel like we're just going to get text messages from old man Wiggum this weekend. That's like 10 scoins on this drive that says that, you know, this person scored a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gamer said the Niners didn't even need to throw to beat Green Bay in 2020. That that's true. That's true. true. I, I, I agree. I just, I just think oh. that in the end, um, like I, I kind of take the same approach that I take with, uh, March Madness, because I know nothing about college basketball. I just look at who's 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 the one player that you don't want to play against. And in this playoffs, I think that's Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to give yeah. the edge to Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, this is a, this is what uh, folks on. I've heard the term "styles make fights" a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the term that I'm going to use. But this is one of those "styles make fights" games because the 49ers are one of those teams that are going to throw rocks at you like the whole game. They're just going to like throw random stuff at you all the time, and they're just going to like be weird and claw at you and just like try to fight you. And then the biggest difference that I see here is that if we look at both of these teams, the Packers can do both. They can play from ahead with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and they can play from behind because Rodgers is used to being a passing dominant quarterback anyway. If the 49ers are able to play from ahead, the Packers are in trouble. Yeah. If the 49ers are forced to play from like a 10 point deficit they don't want that because they don't really play a super like up-tempo style of football they're more like grind it out you know run stuff with Debo and Brandon Ayuk and stuff like that and you don't want Jimmy Garoppolo out here with his thumb you know hanging by one ligament trying to throw when it's 10 degrees <laughs> and their other guy is like a rookie who runs a lot but we've seen how that's worked out for you know all of our fun friends Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray oh, yeah. and like like, oh, yeah. all of those guys so far, right? Like, do you do we want to see more teardrop throws over <laughs> the defensive line? Uh, the worst, worst uh. throws I ever saw. All right, well, just to put a put an exclamation point on this, um, I am I I'm I'm going the sixty scoins on the Packers because Gamer has been telling me every week for the entire season the Packers defense is great. So if I lose my sixty scoins, it's Gamer's fault. And with that. B, <laughs> what's your extra point? Oh, um, funny part about this is Sconzi put out a timeout this past week about MLK and about some other things that were on his mind. And he asked me, do you have any curated MLK content for our podcast? And I said, no. And then he put an article about MLK on run sheet that we didn't get to today so i'm going to talk about it now so one of the things that we're thinking about as we've passed another martin luther king jr holiday is how people portray the words of other people and how things are going in our society today when i listened to skanzi's timeout i started to feel very frustrated and upset and disappointed in how things are going in our country. And then I read this article that Skanzi put on the run sheet, and it was talking about all of the different ways that MLK advocated for things. And he went out there, and he said his piece, and he tried to be an advocate for change and a person in the community that danced forward not just things for him, but for other people. And as frustrated as I am with how things are going today in our society and where we're at, and what's going on, it really hits home with me that I, as Skanzi said in the timeout, need to be someone who is out there saying my piece. I need to be that advocate. I need to do those things. I need to be part of the solution because if I say nothing, then I'm part of the problem. So that's one of the things that we do here on this podcast every week, but I'm hopeful that as time moves forward, I can continue to find ways in my house, on my block, in my city, in my state, and in the world 
to make a difference because I feel like that's where everything starts. And I kind of take that from Emmanuel Acho because he's talked a lot about how in order to impact change and to affect change, it has to start on that local level because if you start in your house and you can start in your block and on your community and in your city, and it grows from there because the more people that you have on the pathway of change with you, that's how things happen. So trying to take that in a positive way and not the way of that dude being like, you have bad followers. But, you know, to each of us, do what you can to make the change that you want to see and that you want to be. I agree. Thank you. A couple things to cover really quick. So one thing that your, your comment brought to mind is the link that I just added in the uh, in the chat here. Um, it's a group in Chicago called My Block, My Hood, My City. This is something that comes up a lot in a, um, a group that I'm part of um, at work where we, you know, we volunteer or we donate or whatever the case may be. And, and this is, it, it really kind of is very similar to what you mentioned, B, which is start local, start with my people, with, with the people I'm around. And how we make a difference. Second thing, uh, B mentioned the time out with Scotty that, uh, that I did today or this week. Um, just as a heads up for those who aren't aware, what that is, is this extra podcast or we'll say extra podcast content uh, that just goes to some of our patrons. So, you know, if you want to get in on some of that, Patreon is where you can do that. And uh, hopefully Wiggs is around. He can share that link because I always get it wrong. Um, anyway, so the, the the funny thing is, maybe it's not that funny, and, and maybe it's not super surprising either, but I, I was going to touch base on some MLK stuff, and I appreciate Wiggs putting that quote in the chat because that's the one that I was going to steal. In fact, when you put it in there earlier, I copied it and put it on Notepad. Um, and that quote, for those who are listening after the fact, very famous quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I think that this is a very important quote. I think it's something that all of us should take to heart. I think it's something that I look at from a larger scale in much of the same way that you were talking, B, about, you know, how do you support? How do you um, empathize? How do you help those that are immediately around you? Um, but I also look at it very personally. And, you know, I, I shared a lot of things on the timeout this week around some of my personal goals and, and what I'm looking to achieve this year. We're not going to call them resolutions because those are stupid. Nobody keeps those, but they're goals that I have for self-improvement and um, self-care that, 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 uh, that I want to make sure I'm doing this year. And I think one of those things is to really make sure I'm diving into empathy and love more. Like, I, I think that a lot of people, I know B specifically gets a kick out of me getting all riled up and yelling and swearing on this podcast. Uh, B likes to say that we'll lose all our followers if I stop doing that. Although I didn't really do it too much on this one, I'm just saying. But um, I also think it's important while standing up for what you believe in and what you truly believe is right is super important. I also know that I could do that maybe in a little bit of a different way. And I think that I need to share more love. Um, and that's what I want to do a lot more this year. So, uh, whether that, I don't know exactly what form that's going to take. I'm sure it's going to happen here on the podcast. It's going to happen on the streams that I have, hopefully like, uh, those are things that I'm working on. And, and I guess that I just want to verbalize that a, so y'all can hold me accountable to that. I'll hate it when you do, but you can hold me accountable to that. 
and uh, hopefully it resonates with some of you too. And maybe maybe there's other people there. I think that the more that we can all share love versus hate, the better the world is. And there's a shit ton of hate out there. There's a shit ton of hate out there. We can't stop it by hating the hate, right? We we have to share love, and I think that's a very important thing. So that's what I got. I would hand it off to B, but it says nobody else is in the chat. So uh, so we're gonna come back here, and uh, I oh wait, he's maybe back. He's got no video, but it's flashing. I'm not sure what's happening there. So I am going to go ahead, uh, B, if you can hear me, maybe disconnect from Discord and jump back in. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, kind of wrap this up while we see if B makes it back, which it looks like he's almost coming. You can see the little, oh, there he is. All right, B, you want to wrap us up? We got no volume, though. There, there it is. Go. I had there to myself. I, I had a legit internet outage. It wasn't my internet dying. It was actually like legit, oh, <laughs> internet's actually offline for a minute. <laughs> anyway, I missed your quote, but... If you would like to tell me what Skanzi's quote was, you can find me on Twitter at LandmarkMKE. If you want to talk to Skanzi about his quote, you can find him at Skanzi. If you'd like to find Skanzi in real life, you can find him on Amazon Sidewalk. If you'd like to find the podcast, you can find that on YouTube on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. You can also find Skanzi on YouTube Wednesday and Thursday nights. You can find the podcast in your favorite podcast app at We Random. You can find it here on YouTube. And if you'd like to find us, you know, there's the internet you can use it just like we did to look up information about anything on this podcast so before <laughs> we let you go tonight we want to wish you uh happy something i don't know <laughs> my brain is just like i don't know what's going on like my brain is just like literally rebooting just like my computer so i'm gonna be done now but Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And hopefully by next week, my brain will have rebooted. And if it doesn't, <laughs> a lot bummer. Nope, I can't do that because that'll get you DMCA. Ah! I'll, I'll tell you the thing after we're done. But anyway, okay. have a good night, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everybody.